Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Howdy, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here, and welcome to episode 131 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks for tuning in and thanks for being with the podcast this week. Now before today's show, I just want to say a big thanks to Brian, who got in contact with me via email about the podcast. He's been writing for over 20 years, and he loves how the scene has progressed in that time. He remembers going to St Anne's in 1998 with uh, Glenn O'Brien and John Lawyer, old teammates of his and, and riding together and listening to Glenn's episode and all brought back the old memories. So, uh, Brian, thanks so much for getting in contact. I do appreciate you reaching out and saying hello to the podcast. And yes, certainly, sir, I do hope to see you on the trail sometime and we can have a ride and a chat about those old days with Glenn O'Brien and the guys. I'm sure you've got some good stories there to tell. Now, don't forget about the awesome offer we have from last week's episode with Ben from the Strength Factory. Ben is offering you guys, MTB Tribe podcast listeners, 50% off your first month of his new program. If you didn't listen to last week's episode, we chatted and answered your questions about gym stuff and issues that you were finding in the gym in the best way to make the gym work for your riding and racing, etc. Um, so Ben has very, very kindly offered that. So just head over to the resources page on the website, mtb-tribe.com, and you'll find out how to claim that really, really cool offer. Now, it expires on the 26th of March, so you don't have much time, so so get on it. You can, as I say, get 50% off your first month's subscription, or you can get a yearly subscription for only £300. And Ben's Complete MTB program offers really specific training for, for mountain biking and will make you faster and fitter on the trails for sure. So please go over to the resources page if you're interested in getting faster this summer and check out Ben's great offer. On today's show, we are talking about how to protect yourself from mud. Maybe not you, but your bike more specifically. And uh, it's been a wet winter. I know you guys have had it hard in Ireland and the UK and etc. I know there's been a lot of rain, a lot of mud, a lot of dirty days out there in the trails. So it's fitting that we have Craig Bromley on from Rapid Racer Products. Now, Craig makes a great, great range of mud guards and a few other things there. To help us enjoy our ride better, help keep our bike clean, keep all those seals nice and mud free, etc, etc. And um, it was great to get Craig on the show. The guy is so, so busy, it's unbelievable. But it was great to get him on the podcast and have a chat about how Rapid Racer Products, or RRP as a lot of us know it, um, started. How he got involved and all that and how it came really from his old racing background and how that kind of got the ball rolling with making products to to help us riders enjoy ourselves a little bit more. Um, so we chat about that, we chat about how Chain Reaction played a big part in getting RRP up and running and helping out and getting the thing progressed a little bit further and getting their product out to more customers. So we chat about that, we chat about what they have produced since then, how their products are always evolving and how Craig works 
works so hard at making this thing right for you guys. With all the different forks and fits and everything that's out there today, all the different products, it is really a minefield to get stuff like this right. It seems easy make a simple mudguard, but it's not. It's far, far from it. So we get into that. We get into the details of that kind of thing. We also chat about how you can get your hands on some great RRP product and help those winter days and those muddy days not just seem so bad. So without further ado, let's get the show started and get Craig on the MTB Tribe podcast. Hi, Craig. Welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. How's things today, sir? Uh, not, not too bad, Gareth. Thank you very much for inviting us on the show. You are more than welcome, and uh, you're busy today as always. Uh, I've been trying to get you on the show for a while, but you're just you're just super busy, one thing and another there. So thanks so much for sparing the time to come on. No problem at all. You've got 37 seconds, so go. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. And Craig, you're the, the owner and the founder of Rapid Racer Products, and you can be found at rapidracerproducts.com. Um, and... It's a cool product. I actually seen your product first off when Glenn O'Brien was showing it on his social media. I think you'd sent him some guards and, you know, Glenn was doing it with these funny captions and his rock and roll music playing and all this kind of stuff, you know, that Glenn does. And uh, so, yeah, I, I kind of got in contact because of that, seeing that Glenn was using your stuff and yeah, uh, all yeah. that. So, yeah, good stuff. So tell us a little bit about what you do there. Where are you based? Uh, we're based in Stafford in the Midlands, in the UK, obviously. Um, we've, uh, we've we've got a head office there, but generally speaking, uh, I tend to do most of my design work uh, working from home. Uh, I get a, a better chance, really, to get all the parts and bits and bobs around me and chuck them on the bike and go out and test them. But mm-hmm. yes, yeah, in the Midlands is uh, is centrally where we're based. Yeah, cool. And you're kind of a one-man band. We've chatted about <laughs> yeah. it a wee bit, uh, and that's why your time sits. <laughs> it's, it's quite, so it's quite funny when we, we we do get quite a few people sort of pass me through to the accounts department. Can we speak to the marketing team and the design team who looks after your social media? And it's just like, well, hey, <laughs> that'll be me then. <laughs> yeah, I'll you should. You. I've just got to try it. But I'm hopeless at new accents, so uh, I, I do try. <laughs> but, uh, it yeah, man. Work. It is just it is just me, and 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 essentially that all started because I had my uh, my own uh, career in soft services. I started in security man guarding, um, moved on to industrial cleaning, but it was all in like the facilities sort of area of um, of soft services. So that was sixteen hour a day job. I uh, started racing downhill on the side, and uh, and really RRP came from. Uh, from the racing side of things and so that I needed a setup that I could just do that a bit of designing for a bit of fun uh, and and have a network a structure around me that 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 dealt with everything else so somebody to do the the warehousing and uh, logistics uh, and that would pack the orders for me and store the stuff so I didn't have to have my own factory and my own staff because I had a full-time job so that's essentially how our our structure started mm-hmm. it's probably a less um, long-term profitable solution than having your own uh, production and staff and so on and selling direct but you know uh, the, the model with the distributor and, and third-party companies dealing with all the other elements allows me to at the time run a full-time job which was pretty busy um, and, and stuff on the side and, and it really we just maintained that model when I left it to do it full-time. Mm-hmm. Yeah yeah and so let me just get it straight. So RRP 
all your mudguards and things like that are branded with RRP. So that's your brand, essentially. Yes, yeah, yeah. I own the um, Rapid Racer Products Limited company, which most people know as RRP. But we did originally um, set up as a, as a partnership with myself and a, a former teammate, Paul Mackey, when we used to be Rapid Racers downhill team. Um, we just, you know, we'd get all our sponsors kit in mainly off the back of, of better uh, uh, downhill races that are in the team. And um, we'd build up all these great new bikes with all our kit. And then you just went to the bin, basically, to find a, an inner tube to cut it up and zip tie it across your forks. And we thought, <laughs> Christ, there's got to be a better way of doing this. Um, and so that's really where the NeoGuard was was born from our first product, which was technically uh, born out of the, the partnership between us two. It then started to get to the point where it needed a significant investment. There was um, the orders started to flow in. We needed to change how we packed them and mm-hmm. and how we went about the whole process. And um, yeah, I mean, that's when um, me and Paul sort of parted company because, uh, I mean, he'd got a really busy job and, and this required an awful lot more attention. So um i we, we set up initially um a limited company which we've traded ever since since about 2007 uh but during that period of time in the early days when it realized that we needed a lot of commitment from both parties that um yeah we parted our ways um very amicably we're, we're still very good friends there was mm-hmm. it was nothing other than workloads and careers uh, we didn't know whether things would would take off or not uh, but i wanted to carry on um pushing the product and investing in it and see what happened really mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and that and ever since december 2007 when the company was started shortly after that then um it, it's been just me with uh, other third party companies that support me in, in various areas of of the business but you know all, all roads lead to me unfortunately Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when did you decide to actually, you were making these products because you were racing and things, when did you decide to actually sell this stuff? <laughs> oh, well, it, uh, well, we knew there was a better solution than a cut-up inner tube and zip tie um, sort of mudguard. Um, really, <clears throat> I guess our big break come from um, the support from Chain Reaction and Michael Cowan. Uh, I used to bug him senseless at at the races to, to stock our products. And uh, <laughs> I think uh, Chain Reaction at that particular time supported Rapid Racers, the, the downhill team, um, with various discounts and stuff off I basically relentlessly pursued him until just out of sheer frustration. He, he agreed to stock our stuff so he spoke to the uh, you know all the bosses and and then as soon as chain reaction came on board then essentially things started to explode mainly because their reach is so big um Mm -hmm. nobody knew who we were nobody knew of the neo guard it could be the best product in the world but if people don't know it exists they don't buy it so they effectively acted as our marketing as well as obviously putting in some rather large orders as it started to become an extremely popular mudguard around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'm looking at it now on your website, just as we're chatting here and yeah, it's tidy. Like it's tidy. So you designed that. Did you and Paul design that yourselves? Yeah. Yeah, we did. We, we found a, well, a scuba diving uh, company that was uh, very helpful that let me just turn up whenever I wanted 
um, drop down a load of tools, nick a load of their uh, neoprene and uh, Velcro and, and just prototype relentlessly. They just charged me for what I used on the basis that um, at the end of it, there was going to be a product which um, we would um, manufacture through them, uh, they were based mm-hmm. like Sheffield way. And, uh, and that's how it really all started. And, and that was half the problem, really. There's, there's no way um, Paul could get up to uh, Sheffield all the way from Bristol. And it just became a bit of a nightmare logistics wise. But uh, yeah, that's essentially how it all went and try various different materials to stop uh, the eyelets tearing. Uh, so we've got like a special stretchy material that you can stretch quite a lot um, in order to uh, get it to uh, deform for, for whatever the fork is doing. And yeah, it turned out to be uh, pretty much unchanged since it was released around 2007. So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's been uh, it's now classed as having a cult following. So I'm wondering if that makes me a cult leader. I, don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I tell oh, you, classic. it sort of settled to the point where, uh, although people still use it in downhill and enduro and such like, um, it's the cross-country races that seem to like it the most. They can't seem to tolerate anything plastic. Um, and with it being sort of 13 grams for the extra small and stopping a little bit of spray, it seems to be a bit of a favourite with the really short travel sort of guys. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, happy days. Well, it's funny the way one product like that, you know, and, and to look at it, you would think, you know, it's a simple idea, but... I know chatting to gentlemen like yourself and people in the industry, these things don't come along easy. There's different fits, there's different sizes, there's this, there's that. There's the the amount of difference in fits and stuff is just endless. Oh, it's, it's super crazy. And made work. I mean, the biggest uh, problem I have with designing really is me. I'm just I just can't switch off because I generally want to change every product as soon as I'm happy with it. Um, And with with the NeoGuard was really the start of my OCD where (laughs) I spent so long tweaking and designing lots of crap that nobody would even notice but drives me nuts. So I I keep tweaking, I keep changing. I think uh, the EnduraGuard, I'm on version 4000 or something or other Mm. only so reach the public but i'm constantly changing stuff because there's things i'm not happy about but the bike industry absolutely adores changing everything and bringing new stuff out every two mm-hmm. and a half and, and whilst that really annoys the hell out of most people including me uh the, the reality is i'm just as bad myself i'm i'm always wanting to change because they're now brought out boost forks or super boost or it's this or it's that and i'm always trying to keep a keep in touch with what the you know the new trends are whether it be mountain biking or whatever and what effect that has on the product so mm-hmm. you, you just never stop the enduro guards a simple product but it took such a long time to settle on the four different sizes to be able to stretch across all the different length of forks um it was one of the products that was only really copied about sort of three times and i use the word copied loosely um i don't like that word being used there were competing designs is, is a better phrase uh, apart from the one from korea which was literally a trace round job um mm. but other than the the, the the korean one the the rest like um, there were competing designs from race face the and a few others but 
uh, they they fell foul of what the process that I had to go through um, in order to secure it, to stop it from moving and rubbing the forks to death, um, to fit all different fork sizes and, and widths and so on and so forth. Um, so it, it was a lot harder to come up with a competing design than than it looks than just coming up with a bit of stretchy material. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's hard to see from looking at it. Um, you know, I can bore people senseless about the benefits of passing the Velcro straps through the guard and so on and so forth. But yeah, it was it was really difficult to get that balance right and not have too many SKUs, um, too many product codes rather. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, and, and settle on the on the four sizes, and and that's really where my obsession with continually changing stuff came from, really. Yeah, and how does that process work, Craig? Do you do you start off with an idea? Do you sketch it in paper? You know, how do you source materials? How does that whole thing work for you? Well, initially with the the NeoGuard, it was really, really, really high tech. Um, I got basically a pencil, a, a ruler, and a bit of paper. Um, <laughs> I drew out a design, uh, I cut it out of cardboard um, with measurements on it, uh, and then I cut a piece of neoprene to fit that. Uh, we then sort of like test fitted that, and we weren't worried about in them stages about how to stop things like the um, the holes from tearing and such like. It was about sizing and widths and lengths and how much it would stretch. And we would eventually settle on our four sizes for the for the NeoGuard and then get a cutting form made and then then stamp then you stamp out sort of pieces of uh neoprene and and, and then mm-hmm. add the various different velcro straps and stuff later and that's how and that's how our first product was done later um things like the the pro guard bolt on and and the zip tie one uh, that that's all done by myself uh in cad and that's that was a tough journey at the age of 46 trying to learn you know old dogs new tricks and all that sort of stuff mm-hmm. at 46 designing uh designing products in cad and learning how to do that traveling all over the country the various courses to learn cad which i had absolutely no idea how to use wow <laughs> wow wow so uh, you know at that stage did you think well i outsourced this because it would probably have been quicker and easier just to outsource that to somebody else but you took the decision to learn yeah. the software yourself well, can you What's imagine, your thinking behind that can you imagine somebody like me who i mean i've got a 3d printer here to do a lot of my prototyping and when i'm designing a product it runs 24 hours a day uh, do hundreds of prototypes i am so frustrating i couldn't sit next to so it cost me four million pounds to release this <laughs> So just, I'd never get anything to market. I'd be bankrupt. Uh-huh. So I had to do it. And I knew that straight away with the type of person that I am. There is no chance I could sit over a shoulder of somebody on whatever, 40 quid an hour. And uh, they'd, they'd be a life partner for the rest of my life. They would live with me. It would be ridiculous. And uh, <laughs> I'd, yeah, I'd never make any money at all. So I had to learn CAD. I had to get my own 3D printer. Um and it was thousands and thousands of pounds for like software support, um, like about ten grand for the three D printer and all wow. them various different things. So, yeah, it was uh, it was a big investment. I, but I knew I needed to do it. Uh, I knew the large uh, mudguard um, type uh, of product was was gaining some traction, and therefore I, I needed to be able to do CAD in order to achieve that. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So it was worth the investment, but uh, yeah, really painful at the age of like 46 to start learning these sort of things where and I've done absolutely nothing similar previously. Yeah, yeah, no, I would, I would think that now, to be honest, and that's a big step, that's a big commitment step to do that, to learn something like that, the time involved, the money involved, the investment, everything else. Um, so at this stage, you'd obviously left your full-time employment. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I moved around the group a few times. Uh, I had fairly senior roles, like head of ops and very direct, various director sort of roles. They were really tough, really stressful, and needed, you know, a lot of commitment. Um, and I, and I just couldn't do, I, I couldn't do both. Mm-hmm. So I needed to uh, make a commitment. The, the stress was getting pretty um, pretty bad in my current um, position, constantly restructuring and passing our group, uh, our company around the group. So just got to the point where I thought, you know what, I need to make the break now. I need to focus on something else. I need to change the direction. And you can, you can work flat out hard on your own company, um, for a level of hours, morning, noon, and night, uh, and not feel you're being used and abused, and mm-hmm. you know, and it seems okay if somebody asks you to do it, then it suddenly becomes, well, hang on a minute, this is unreasonable hours, but for your own company, it seems to be um, perfectly okay. Yeah, it's different, that isn't it? You really do go into a different mindset when it's your own thing. Absolutely, absolutely. That's that's my dog. You can hear in the background. It's her birthday today. Ah, happy <laughs> birthday! Squeaky toys and stuff. <laughs> it's in. So uh, yeah, say hi, Jess. <laughs> Sorry about that. But no, no, no worries. That's same. What age is Jess today? Uh, Jess is uh, three years old today. She's a Springer daughter, so Springer Spaniel, and uh, Labrador sort of mix um, hybrid. Um, design a dog, whatever you want to call them. <laughs> You'll be getting busy with her too. Do you mind? No? What's that? Sorry? Oh, I was just talking to the dog. She just <laughs> doesn't seem to understand English. No, 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 crazy. Um, well, yeah, it's, you know, it's different working for yourself, I think. I've been in that environment myself and you don't mind working more hours and doing more stuff um, because it's more of a passion maybe than you look at it more like that than possibly yeah. you know, working for the bigger man kind of thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I just, I don't know. It's a, I mean, it's stressful because there are times when things go wrong. Um, you, you know, you, you have such ownership over uh, your own products and your own designs that um, it, it is difficult, but difficult in a different way. Um, it's, uh, it's hard to explain, but you know, yeah. I, I've got no one doing the social media, so I'm doing that myself. So I don't think I've watched properly a TV program for two years. Uh, wow. uh, you pretend to. I mean, you're there, you're there sort of watching it. But you, if you don't keep up with, the, you know, the tags, the, the mentions, the messages, the requests for information and all that sort of stuff, it sort of adds to the next day and makes that day even worse. You, you know, you sort of keep on top of it as it happens. But mm-hmm. Essentially, it means you you never switch off. I'm answering stuff when I go while I'm still in bed. As it happens, you know, I'm answering questions when I I get up and eat breakfast of a morning. So it, it's pretty relentless and pretty nonstop. But in a in a, in a good sort of way, it's your company. You're proud of it, so you know you're more than happy to you know to work these sort of hours. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's not sure. really customers work the same, you know. Uh, the only thing I ever wish to do with my company, I'm not bothered about being rich, millionaire, famous, none of that stuff interests me at all. I just want the <clears throat> the lifestyle that my friends believe I've got. <laughs> That's all I want in life. You know, yeah, sat yeah. I'm watching daytime TV all day because I work from home. Obviously, I don't work. All the products design themselves, test themselves. And, you know, that, that's, I think that's their train of thought. And, and I have had um, a relatively easy life at, at, in, in between sort of product launches and, and stuff like that. When things settle down, you know, you can sort of recoup a bit of time. But that's the only time any of your friends remember. Not the mm-hmm. you know the sixteen hour days, day after day after day after day. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. And that's the thing about stuff like this. You know, people see the end product, but they don't see the hours and the sweat, the tears, and everything that's went into actually producing that. They just see the end, the end result. Yeah, uh, definitely. Uh, what that, and the thing is that the real nice, sexy stuff of of designing a new product and watching it develop—that's fantastic. You know, the starting point is nothing like the finishing point, and that that evolution is fantastic. But you know, once the product is designed and finished in in, in prototype form, and then all the really crap stuff starts. You know, like fitting instructions mm. and logos and trademarks and. Oh and photographs and websites and all the 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 unrewarding stuff that you have to do to support that great idea and product you know it's it's not all it's not all the the really good stuff it's the stuff that feels less rewarding after that yes. you've got the you know that everyone demands like the like images the you know and various videos and and stuff which and certainly in terms of fitting videos were pretty poor it just it's just the time to sort of sit down and 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 get the right sort of environment and get it all videoed and and, and such like. But yeah, I mean, we've got we're certainly going to have to improve the the website and some fitting videos because uh, it's certainly an area where you know we're we're fairly poor on. Um, but that side of things is time consuming and tough, and it, and it mm-hmm. does venture from you know designing new products and investing in other stuff. As you, you you know you've got to keep on top of everything yeah yeah well the the issue with that i think as well for somebody like yourself is it's taking you away from doing what you're really passionate about and what you're really good at doing and what be, probably benefits rrp the most is you designing and testing and, and and stuff like that so it's taking you away from that effectively do you ever think or have you got support at the minute from family friends you know do you do you get help from people like that or is that something you think you'll maybe look at in the near future uh no not really um certainly not at the moment i mean i've you know i've i've looked at the possibility of having someone to take on the social media uh you need quite a lot of product knowledge to be able to answer some of the questions and Mm -hmm. i'm one of them people that i'm you know you're, you're proud of what you've done and you don't really want somebody else's take on that. Um, for instance, the social media, you have to try and be as helpful as possible, answer as quickly as possible. And so, you, you know, you want to be answering morning, noon and night because we, we sell stuff all around the world. So there's different time zones. So to them, it's the middle of the day. But for you, you're just going to bed or just waking up. And, you know, you want it to be answered quickly. Just, you know, when you send messages to 
um, websites or companies, when you're desperate for an answer for something you're building a bike, you need an answer, and then they take five to seven days to respond, you know, mm-hmm. like a reasonable time frame, but to you, it's like forever. So I try and behave in a way which I would love to be treated myself by a, a, another company. So can you get that same sort of passion with somebody else, the speed? Can you demand that they're available morning, noon and night? It's 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 quite difficult to deliver the same quality of service when you're asking somebody else to do it. And, mm-hmm. and everyone's important. And although sometimes you have, you know, bad days where you, you perhaps aren't as uh open-minded as as other days you know because you've had mm-hmm. a tough day but generally speaking I, I try very hard to you know treat everybody who sends me a message or a request or is after information like it's the, you know the very first one that i've received and it'd be as helpful as possible because they don't need to know or care you know how busy you are in the background they just mm-hmm. want some help so i just worry passing over certain things to, mm-hmm. to or would would, would not uh, I struggle to let go if, if the truth be known. Yeah. I will yeah. at some point have to um, at certain areas that that take up a lot of time uh, and, and take a I guess a more corporate approach to how we service like things like social media that that take up a great deal of your time mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yeah I'm actually reading a, a very good book at the minute which you would probably enjoy Craig now I don't know if you read or anything but you get it if you well, don't have the time so sorry cab for idiots <laughs> <laughs> it's called uh, Company of One by Paul Jarvis and it's a it's like somebody in your situation uh, the book goes into being a company of one now it doesn't necessarily mean just one person in the company but it's how you operate smaller if you're not looking massive growth and massive investment and, and you know bigger is better all that kind of stuff yeah and, and you're operating a, a company similar to yourself it's actually very good i think you would enjoy it uh, get it on audio yeah. or whatever if you haven't the time you know you can listen to it when you're when you're doing your website updates or whatever you know and you don't yeah 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 uh but yeah i think you might find that quite interesting and it should help you to be honest i, I gotta say i don't think anybody else that has any pride in their business is, is any different i mean you can change mm-hmm. the product you can change the company name and what they sell and so on but it's exactly the same you know yeah if you like the the large one-man bands where you're sort of one person and but you are reaching quite far around the world in terms of where you sell and you're doing everything yourself it wouldn't really matter what the product is the challenges are still the same you know Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah very true very true now let's chat a little about your products then so um so you mainly produce uh, mud guards off-road and road and xc kind of you know you do it you do quite a lot there um what what made you want to go down that route the mud guard route um i don't know <laughs> kind of <laughs> we kind of fell into it really well we did the neo guard just because we were racing down at the time and that was just something we wanted to do it was more for a a laugh and a design challenge really just to test us a little bit see if we could do something a create a solution for a problem uh and then the theme sort of carried on but i mean the bearing press and extraction tool was was just out of sheer frustration um i had an intense bike at the time i you know i used to love the bike uh but they did chew through bearings like they were apples and so you're changing bearings often and the socket and the hammer and all that malarkey just just sort of got on my nerves and 
get pestering a, a local company to to design a bearing press and extraction tool just for the like the home mechanic mm-hmm. rather than the big corporate ones for the big brands that are usually brand specific um and you could get uh, bearing presses from like wheels manufacturer and stuff in america but they were like a gazillion pounds and so the bearing press and extraction tool we did again was just to solve a solve a problem. There wasn't really anything out there at the time. I just wanted a small tool just to change linkage bearings just for the home mechanic and and that's sort of really, really popular now. We've got so many bike mechanics using it, um, and it which wasn't wow. really its intended use. Loads of shops everywhere and mobile mechanics and World Cup racing teams of you know, um, contacted us because they, it's just a compact, nice little kit and they love it. And yeah, so that's gone. It's not, it, it's not intended on being like a high volume item, like, uh, like a mud guard would be, but mm-hmm. it's uh, growing in popularity, something, something crazy. And so we, it, we sort of did the, the, the bearing press and extraction tool, the, the Neo guard. Uh, and then really the first one, the first major one that we did, um, for high volume was the Endura guard, um, you know, the bendy plastic, um, mm-hmm. plastic that you use front, front guard. Yeah. Um, the likes of things like marsh guard and such like you said, so they were out at the time and I thought I could do a better job. I felt there was more protection to be had and, and started something that we've a theme that was sort of kept on with all our future pro guards and such like with the, the seal shield, the seal guard protection, um, because we're servicing forks, we ride over Canic Chase a lot to to test, and over there, the, 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 this must be the type of mud. It just destroys the the fork seals. It's uh, it's pretty corrosive to, to to your longevity of forks. So mm-hmm. the seal guard was sort of born out of that to protect and extend the the life of the seals, and and that became a really popular mud guard. Uh, I think we're selling over fifty or thousand of them a year. Um, wow. People, various different countries super super popular uh we again we did two sizes because i felt the competition sort of had one size fits all and and that kind of left not that much protection on the big forks and and probably too much looked a bit too big and too much and sometimes striking the down tube on the smaller travel forks uh so we sort of settled on a on a, a standard and a large size mm-hmm. um and that was like really popular um so that that kind of kicked things off for us really in terms of sales and and the brand sort of making its way around the world so we just yeah we did things like the fat guard and and stuff like when it suddenly came onto the scene and 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 such like but they turned out to not be the the latest trend and and it's settled into a, a little niche now um where the numbers are fairly low, but um, it, like most things, you never know in the industry whether 29-inch wheels will, will suddenly be a, a big thing, and then it, it did settle down into something credible, and then mm-hmm. now we've got like mullet bikes, and you know, there's Boost, Super Boost, there's all sorts of stuff that they come up with that you sort of think of investing in it in case it becomes, uh, you, you know, massive, um, but you never have any idea whether it's just something that's going to fall away uh, or, or something that's it's going to be a, a standard that 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 stays. Mm-hmm. Um, from from there, we we did things like the NeoGuard Rigid, which was really for rigid uh, rigid forks on mountain bikes um, and cyclocross bikes. So it was a little mini one for 
cycle cross bikes along with a little CX guard, which which now works on on road disc brakes as well for for quite a lot of bikes just to cut down the amount of spray and protect that that lower bearing. Um, mm-hmm. We try to do a bit for the road, but we're so well known in the mountain bike um, industry that, that that road really don't know we exist. So it's it's quite hard to sell something in an area where you, you don't have much reach. So we did like the 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 rear guard road, uh, just Velcro straps underneath uh, the saddle just to cut down the amount of spray that goes up your back, and uh, a valve guard which stops the valve from rattling on a carbon rim that drives you balmy. Um, again, it just it came from a, a problem that I had riding the the road bike and. You just come up with a, a solution for, for your own personal problems, and that's how a, a lot of things, a lot of things are in, in many businesses. You know, you you find a problem, you find a solution, and 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 try and sell it to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, it's good because you're effectively you're making somebody's ride more enjoyable. You know, they can go out and enjoy it more so so you're solving a problem and that really is something good and it's it's more than just a gimmick it's not a gimmick product or anything it actually is serving a purpose yeah yeah that that feels great as well and and you catch yourself um reading people's comments when they don't they they don't think you're you know you're watching what they're saying and, and what they're writing and and it's nice, un- unprovoked, when people say, you know, uh, you know that they really then wouldn't buy anything else if you have a seal guard on it, or they really like the design of this and uh, RRP this, that, and the other. And you know, it's it's not a big massive corporate company. It's just it's just well, essentially me. Um, so it's nice when you read that how you uh, you intended to solve a problem, and then you see somebody talking about that problem being solved. It's mm-hmm. it's pretty rewarding for me. I mean, like I say, I've that my whole ethos is all about like design first and profit later I've, and and we seem to have a pretty um pretty dedicated following uh, that that seem to appreciate that we put a huge amount of ridiculous effort into the tiniest detail you know, let's not say I'm the best designer in the world, but I do the very best that I can do with the skills that I've got, and and, and nothing's left, um, uh, you know, unchecked. I try everything, all the best materials. I don't, I don't try and do the same as what anybody else has done. I always try and come up with something unique. And often, if I can't do a better job, I just won't do. Um, I won't just won't do a product. I'll just leave it be. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And people seem to appreciate that. People notice that um, that. Uh, things like the bolt-on, Christ alive! That, that it's just such a nightmare of a product to design and produce. Um, it's if you would never write a certainly in how it turned out for us, you'd never write a business plan with yeah. the costs involved and and get that approved by anyone with any brains. Uh, it really is design first and worry about how to make it actually pay the bills later. Um, mm-hmm. So this is the pro. This is the pro guard bolt on. Um, is this for just the front? Uh, yeah, the the pro guard bolt on is our latest um, product that that essentially yeah. just gets rid of the zip ties, which most people seem to detest. Um, we tried some new finishes on it as well, and uh, we've got sort of a mini and a stand, and and we had to. You know, we had so many challenges with this mud guard because it's easy to design a small like micro guard that that bolts on it doesn't need any stability and 
you screw it in and it's dead simple. But if you try and do a large mud guard um, and then fit it to a Fox fork where they've got little tiny M3 threads and yeah, then the challenges really start. And then whatever you design, then trying to get it out of the mold um, without it costing you a, a, a fortune is the next challenge. So, I mean, it pretty much bankrupted me getting the, the bolt onto market. I had no idea whether we'd actually make any money at all. But it captured the imagination of the public, and I didn't realize just how much people hate zip ties. So uh, yeah. people are buying it um, in the droves, and it'll probably still take me two years to break even the thing. It costs so much money. But <clears throat> it was definitely worth doing. I'm really proud of what I've done. Uh, but it doesn't end there. You know, I'm being pursued relentlessly for adapter brackets to fit, you know, DVO and X-Fusion cane creek and all the rest of it some will be possible some won't but it's it's like the product that keeps on giving it just it's it's relentless it's yeah so mass- yeah like it's just not as easy as designing something with a few holes in it you no. know it, it has to be designed to fit every kind of individual forks or fork brand and as a ticket the different fork brands have got different threads and all this and yeah well i mean quite a lot of them don't have any threads at all but okay. uh, you've got companies like rock shocks that don't have any threaded holes at all and that's one thing we get relentlessly pursued uh, quite aggressively sometimes that they like the bolt on so much it's like will it fit rock shock forks no they don't have any threaded holes then design something and it's like well i haven't got any bolt holes so i've got nothing to do. but well then do something <laughs> it's, it's like, uh you know <clears throat> we've had people already sort of resin putting resin in the back of the forks and putting helicoils in and all sorts of stuff which is we seriously don't recommend at all the yeah people who design the forks know what they're doing and that material needs to be there so we absolutely say don't do that <clears throat> but i'm sure that with the popularity of these bolt-on fenders that you know the rock shocks hopefully will sort of come on board and if they, you know as long as they don't they play the game and they put the holes in a similar place or the same place spacing as as, as fox m4 preferably please <laughs> <laughs> then 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 it'll be great that you know there's lots of people that want to run these types of fenders um there's there's a few you know from different companies that will do like a small fender and that would make life an awful lot easier but you know history tells you that they don't the companies don't really play well together so they'll do something that that is wild and inappropriate and we'll have to build something specifically for them but um yeah it's it's difficult because i i don't want like a million products so the the mm-hmm. pro the cable tie one we did from the start it had to fit up to a three inch tire so it covered normal tires and plus tires um it had to cover 26 27 and a half and 29 inch forks um, and when you start to add the challenges of all these forks and, and find one that will fit all it, it it's really it's quite challenging and then you've got to what we do is we we i say we you know it's me um mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> for all the problems with all of the competitor ones uh, you buy the competitor ones you have a look at them you fit them 
and you start to work out what the challenges and problem design problems there are with the competition and then try and eradicate them and find you know which ones are, are breaking and, and realize you need your own special material not just the off-the-shelf stuff and that's when you start to build up the costs when you you have more special materials and you you, you find different solutions that, that that's really where you can drain the margin but mm. it's how we do things how we'll always do things and I earn enough to uh, buy nice bikes and stuff like that. And, you know, it, the, the, the business really funds my bike habit. And uh, as long as it carries on doing that and I can pay the bills and keep the lights on, then for me, it is all about doing the best that I'm I'm, I'm capable of doing. And, and, and that's where the book stops, really. Uh, nothing else matters. Yeah, yeah. And as far as the products go there, how do you test them? Do you have a bunch of ambassadors or like Glenn and the guys? How do you actually go about testing them? Uh, we have some fabulous riders that can smash anything to pieces. So we, we're, Glenn's, <laughs> Glenn's good at that. Um, <laughs> he only has to come up short on a 30-footer and you can you can certainly <laughs> test impact protection, that's for sure. Um, yeah, we've got, uh, we, uh, like most companies, I guess, we sponsor around about, 50 million riders and well sponsoring support and have ambassadors um loads of them uh, we sponsor a lot of um irish riders as well just loads mm-hmm. and loads and loads i think it really all came from you know, like the chain reaction link but yeah. um, a fair bit of rain over there so the need for mud guards is pretty high so we have a we have loads of riders loads and loads and loads of riders um we have in terms of main sponsor riders we have people like Adam Brayton, who's fantastic at helping us design things because he can break things. He always seems to have prototype forks and, uh, uh, you know, and rides everything from, you know, e-bikes to downhill bikes. And Mm -hmm. and he's helpful in terms of what, you know, fit suggestions and challenges and uh, and stuff that I need to, that I need to take into account. Um, And what, you know, one of the, worst timings from feedback from riders with both Glyn and Adam <clears throat> came up with a uh, an issue with the the bolt on within 24 hours after we'd finished the mold uh, we'd actually machined it and this 4.2 billion pound mold and then both Glyn and Adam emails me at the same time virtually to say uh, yeah, I've just had a bit of an issue. And like, oh no! Mm. So we ended up spending another ten thousand pounds changing the bracket right at the last minute after it was finished um, to create some more clearance. None of the fragile three D printed prototypes um, had any issues. Um, but again, if you like, come up short on a big jump and. You know, it, it, you crash in a certain way. You've got you find out different things at different times. It was just really, really bad timing. But um, riders like um, Adam Brayton and, and Glenn O'Brien are, are fantastic for that. We've we've also got people like Brooke McDonald and Christ. If you have seen him ride, then um, mm. God, good lord, um, yeah, he's like a bloody whirlwind, isn't he? He's uh, he's very good at testing products. He gives some good feedback. Um, is absolutely it's, it's you struggle to get the the bolt on mini office bike and no matter how bad the weather is he loves it um but he can crash at, a, at around 70 miles an hour you know <laughs> through a set of woods you know he's, he's crazy crazy fast he's uh, so people like that 
test the product in its worst environment uh, in terms of challenges. Um, Brooke going over rocks on a on a on a really really fast section will test the stability of the, the mudguard better than anybody else can. Yeah, because <clears throat> of the sheer velocity involved. Um, so when you haven't got zip ties on the side arms we had massive challenges with stability with the bolt on in terms of the bracket and supports and because it's just held just at the top um and yeah we managed to get to a point with their help of stabilizing the mud guard making sure it's um stiff and strong enough but flexible enough um mike jones on on the uh mondrega team as well he's uh, he's another one of our sponsored riders he's well, again, he's a bit like Brooke. You see him ride. Uh, he's very, uh, he's a bit of a crasher win sort of rider. So again, he can mm. give you some good feedback on uh, on 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 the prototypes, uh, which is great because they're three D printed, so they're pretty fragile. They're not that they're really to design. Um, so you can design stuff and test spray deflection angles, fit ang- uh, fit fitment, and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So if they don't break them regularly, you know you're onto a winner. So. In terms of basic testing, before we get to the professionals, then most of that's done with, with, with me and my local friends. We've got a lot of RRP supporters and riders and ambassadors uh, locally. Uh, I've got lots of shops that um, I, I travel to and, and, and do fit tests. Um, I'm, I'm grateful to uh, Mammoth Lifestyle and Run and Ride and various places like um, Leisure Lakes. Dave Richardson's and um, people like that have been very helpful. Uh, you can sort of just rock up and start fitting your prototypes to to the forks just to see what challenges you got because there's there's so many different types out there of mm-hmm. designer forks. Even within the same company, before you talk about other brands, it's 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 crazy some of the challenges mm-hmm. out there for something as basic as a mudguard. You'd think yeah. You know, you're designing a rocket ship sometimes with some of the challenges you have in terms of sizing. And mm-hmm. but yeah, so we use the shops for testing a, a massive variety of forks. We've got some distributors that help out. They have, you know, they have um, their own ride. They're riders at the end of the day. They're, they, you know, they're keen to to try your product, so you can always find, um, you know, a variety of different and new forks from from various dis- distributors. Um, mm-hmm our local testing and then we go to pro racers who, who take it to the, the the absolute extreme you you get a pretty good idea you know what needs to be done in terms of fit and stability and sizing so you tend to know what you're doing before you you, you get to design a new product mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah and you do a, a crash replacement scheme which is pretty cool yeah that's pretty recent that, um yeah it was just something we discussed with the distributor and you know we just didn't really get uh, any any mud guards that that broke but you, you think well you know it's a essentially a consumable item so maybe there's loads of them breaking out there in in genuine crashes and and such like and you know it wouldn't cost us the earth to you know change uh, you know 10 20 30 maybe 100 200 around the world and, and just offer this crash replacement offer them 50 percent off um no no quibbles if it's a, a genuine crash if you you know you did an endo in the car park and somehow landed funny and broke it we'd still replace it you didn't have to have you know um a story of just riding along we would just replace it at 50 percent of mm-hmm. its our cost 
and we you know got in a, a, another 300 um pro guards just to you know just to allow us to sort of cope with any demand worldwide and and so far since we've launched we've changed one um wow well you don't know that though until you do it cause yeah yeah say, though, of course uh, although the bolt-on's quite an expensive mudguard compared to the others, some of the other stuff is is fairly cheap, and you would expect people just to throw them in the bin if they've used them for over like twelve months. And you know they get a hard life because they're just constantly being hit at high velocity with mud, and mm, yeah, you know it's a tough life as a mudguard. So yeah, yeah. it's like a usable <laughs> item rather than a fit a fit forever sort of product. You know, mm, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, no, it's nice to offer, and it also also shows, uh, you know, that you're you're very very confident over your own product, you know, and that the things are good quality, and and if something does happen like that, you're more than welcome to replace it at fifty percent off. So it shows it shows nice to the consumer. I think it's a very nice gesture. Well, we we've kind of, I mean, we haven't really replaced many of any of the products mm-hmm. uh, it's been it's been one of our greatest areas it's kind of i guess reward you for all the effort you spend in terms of design but i mean you can't factor in everything you know human beings are uh, uh, relentlessly pursue uh, a, a fitting of a, of a product in totally the wrong location or, or the wrong manner mm-hmm. um you know we've seen mud guards attached to the underside of the top crown like the like, rather than the lower fork brace and uh, mm-hmm. with the zip tie zip tied to the you know kashima stanchions and you're thinking how on earth did you think that's how we designed it because mm-hmm. uh, you know especially the men we oh, christ we don't read instructions do you just rip the stuff off and line uh, up exactly and they fit it and then when it doesn't fit that's when you think well, where did i put the instructions and yeah yeah and that's a, that, that that's difficult for us because they're you know you know you know people don't read the instructions and you spend a lot of time trying to cover the the small areas that make a a big difference but um yeah we haven't had many breakages um and, and warranty it, you know that's been a really good area for us and I'm I'm really really chuffed I'm really really chuffed that we're not constantly dealing with it. Um, but it happens you know it, it always happens and what I really like is uh when you get pic- you get pictures come in and you you know what's happened and you know what they've done, mm-hmm. um, yeah, but they kind of won't admit to it. And, and even when you know for uh, a couple of things that have broken that you can see they've not they've not checked clearance, uh, and so you can see where the uh, like if they've put a, an endura guard on the rear, you know, you need to be careful that you can bottom the back of the fork out and you don't like hit the frame or any, uh, anything like that. And you can see where it's been hitting constantly. Mm-hmm. And that's why it, it, it's broke. And you, uh, you just want to get them to admit that. And the same with the bearing press we've had, we make the handles small, which irritates a lot of people, but it's just designed so that you don't take on big jobs. You, you know, you, you don't, put any damage into the frame it's really just designed for the home mechanic to change linkage bearings but you can see i'm putting ring spanners on and, and long tubes and stuff to add extra leverage and it, so rather than it could be some bearing that's a little bit stiff or it could be that it isn't actually aligned properly and that's what you're trying to prevent and they snap a handle off and you know exactly what they've done um, and you know I, I quite enjoy just saying look 
tell me the truth of what's happened. It didn't just fall off. You've stripped threads <laughs> out of steel, for Christ's sake, and aluminium. So you haven't done that by hand, just, just you know, I, I just, it just fell out of my hand. Well, tell me the truth, then I'll replace it for you. And then they said, yeah, what I did, I stuck a ring spanner on it and to gain extra leverage and mm-hmm. yeah, and it broke off. And then I just, you know, if they tell me the truth, then I just, I tend to replace it because we don't get enough to worry about volume of warranties and, and such like. So it's the honesty really that I'm after, not just to get them to tell me the truth, but I need to know whether the, 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 there's a design flaw or the, I do really need to consider changing something. And we have looked at various tweaks based on, you know, a couple of warranty um, issues that we've had with the bearing press. Um, but generally speaking, the, you know, it's a handful of of warranties throughout the entire product range since we started the company in 2007. So that's fantastic. And, and you know, that, that's one of the things, I, you know, I take great pride in. Yeah, that's amazing. That's amazing. So when you're producing your products, Craig, do you do you produce them in-house? Do you 3D print them all or what way does it work? Um, it depends on the product. The, the, if you like the bendy mud guards, they're, they're a cutting form that you stamp out um, uh, polypropylene, a uh, flat sheet of polypropylene. You design it and stamp it out. It all gets produced um, while everything we do, with, with the exception of the the NeoGuard, which we did when we were a partnership company when, before we started Limited, uh, which was made in China initially. Um, every every product since has all been designed, uh, manufactured, and, uh, and packed in the UK, and and certainly the latest injection molder one, and all the CADs done by me. All of the um, the manufacturing and production is done in the Midlands, injection molding companies. Um, warehouse and storage is in is in the uk as well um mm. so yeah we're, we're pretty pleased to keep it um essentially a, a uk company run by a uk person and mm-hmm. and that's quite tough you know there are there's loads and loads and loads of opportunity to actually make a, a decent amount of margin by having everything made uh, abroad and it is a huge temptation um but it's not really uh a road that we're going to go down we're, we're going to stick to being a, a uk-based company getting predominantly everything uh, manufactured and packed in this country and, and designed by myself yeah it's cool man and it's great to see that you know people like yourself are, are doing that because it is i'm sure easier it obviously has its pitfalls with getting stuff manufactured you know in china or wherever abroad but um yeah, do you find that doing it in the UK, you can keep keep runs kind of smaller and tweak things as you go rather than having to order containers of these things? Or? Um, not not really. Okay. In order to, you know, I, I tend to run a high volume, low margin sort of business because I've got lots of hands in the pies with distributors and mm-hmm people who do my warehouse and logistics and such like so i, I have to order in, in reasonable volumes um which makes life difficult if you then want to change the product mm-hmm. once you're hoping you've covered every base when you still have to order in very large numbers um and and then store it and then you pay for the storing as well so everything is is, is really all third-party people um you, you can like i say you can you can order stuff from 
China and various other countries, and you have to order in, in fairly substantial numbers, but the, the price is insanely cheap. But monitoring quality control can be sometimes a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Um, and it has to be big bulk drops as well. Um, I mean, it has its place, definitely. Um, you, you know, not everything that comes from China is bad, so I wouldn't sleep. Mm-hmm. The fact that I can just drive to the warehouse if we have an issue with some the packaging that hasn't been packed properly or, or, or any mistakes that I've made, I can travel to them pretty quickly, in, including the manufacturers are only sort of uh, 45 minutes uh, away. I can drive to them and have a look at how they're being produced off the line, make sure it is as spec, as designed, um, take a few away, we can test them, we can do lots of different things. And that's so much easier if it's in the UK than it is in 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 China or any other foreign country. And I remember when we when we did uh, the NeoGuard and uh, we changed something with the NeoGuard and asked them for a sample and it got, uh, it got a flaw in the product. We were just trying to show them what we wanted to do in another area, and they reproduced one with the same fault on it. Um, yeah, because you know it's it's, it's in it's, some things get lost in translation. Exactly. And, yeah. Whereas you just you don't have any of that when when you like produce in the UK because you you know you stick really close. Um, the mold agent was around here yesterday for a few hours as we were going through various different things for new products and stuff and it, and it's just it's a faster way of working unless you keep going you know flying abroad and stuff it, for us it just it fits i don't have the time for that so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and it's uh yeah it's, there's something good about you know being a uk company and getting pretty much everything from from the uk um certainly what the uk can supply it needs to improve some of its areas that uh when you know when you want certain things you can only get you know from abroad but other than that you know i think as 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 other countries you'll find uh, have are starting to moan about their rights so the the pay is going up and you'll find maybe things will equalize a little bit more um not not uh, you know talking about the b word or anything like that but just just you know in life china the 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 people are demanding greater wages and and so on and so forth so you'll see Mm -hmm. that's going up um so you'll see some leveling so you'll get some reward for sticking with the uk but some things just have to be made abroad and thankfully the type of stuff that we design um we tend to be able to do pretty much absolutely everything uh, in the uk so We'll stick with that as long as we can because there's no drive for profit margins or sales targets or just essentially a mountain biker with a, a good idea who likes to design stuff. And yeah, cool. As long as people are saying it's the best or, or they say really nice things and I can pay the electric bill, I, I tend to be pretty happy with that. Yeah, no, man, it's cool. And it's cool to see it sticking in the UK. It's really nice. Um, so, how can people best get your products? Where can they best source them from? Well, our distributor in the UK is Extra UK, so uh, we don't sell to the public unless it's uh, end-of-line stuff like discontinued or previous versions. Mm. Um, so we don't really sell direct. We we sort of support the distributor um, and bike shop sort of model. That includes obviously the online retailers, but they're a factor life. You can't uh, yeah. 
you can't start bitching at that. It's just the model of the bike industry. Mm-hmm. So uh, they order in through Extra UK. So you can go to your local bike shop. If you're very friendly with them, they can order our products through Extra. Uh, there's lots and lots and lots of online retailers from, you know, Chain Reaction, Leisure Lakes and all the rest of them that do, you know, discounted prices if you already know what you're looking for and you just want the cheapest price. Um, yeah, so they're pretty accessible out there now. We've got, you know, from certainly in terms of around the world, we've got a, a master EU distributor just to help out with um, distribution across Europe. Uh, they've got various distributors that they a point in in different countries uh, so that's now company that that do the EU master distribution network for us um and uh, again it, it's the same model in, in different countries um we, we we don't want to be dealing directly with with shops because it requires too much time setting them up doing small orders chasing payment all that sort of stuff and we just mm-hmm. we're not set up for that so it's it's bulk orders um, through a, a distribution network and I, I can't see us changing that in the future and selling direct uh, great margins though crikey um you know once you've established a brand as you've seen with a lot of brands nowadays they're they're, they're then going direct themselves because they mm-hmm. they just don't need that awareness that y- you get from sales reps and distribu- distributors driving around talking to people about the products and signing mm-hmm. up shops um and, and that's what they're really good at so once they've established their brand, they change it internally to be able to cope with orders and and they go direct and you see so many companies doing it and yeah you know you can you can see where they're coming from it's a way of you know making more margin and 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 dealing direct with the consumer so you know it has it certainly have its benefits mm-hmm. yeah no no it's it's but for yourself, I think the way you do it you have to you have no other option really. No, no, I'm not interested in um, in, in going direct. I'm, I won't never say never, but I, mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not really interested in in, in that sort of model. So I'll, I'll stick um, trading through the, the like the traditional network, um, and I and I can't see any reason to change. I certainly don't have the time. I'd have to employ people in order to exactly all that and. Yeah, you know, yeah. bike shops out there are having a bit of a tough time as well. So I can well imagine chasing payment could be, you know, a challenging job in its own right. Totally, totally. Um, so before I let you go there, um, anything new planned for the future you can tell us about? Or, oh, well, what can I tell you? Um, <laughs> there, there are a few things we're working on, but I tend to have to go project by project because uh, of the mm-hmm. cost involved in the molds and, and stuff you, you can't just like design 12 products and you know you'd need sort of half a million pounds to, to, to get through it all yeah but we, are, we are looking at doing a, a few other products um certainly uh, other pro guards are definitely in the wings um at some point in the future uh, we just we, we we've sort of redesigned the enduro guard now um for the God knows how many versions we've done now, but um, that, that latest tweak is out. We've redesigned the 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 fat guard just for the hell of it, um, and we, we we've got probably four of the products that we're working on. None of none of which are sort of coming out like imminently. Uh, mm-hmm. but always working on uh, new designs. We're doing a lot of work at the moment on adapter brackets and trying to adapt our bolt on to fit the uh, threaded holes on 
forks that that we couldn't incorporate within the bracket you know so cane creek um exfusion dvo um various different uh, forks that have holes in a different configuration that we couldn't uh, we couldn't mm-hmm. fit that's mm-hmm. pretty technical uh, and proving fairly unsuccessful at, uh, for, for some of the brands as well because of the difficulties in fitting it all in but yeah um nothing really that i can i, I can share uh, at the moment but keep an eye out on uh, our social media and uh, you, you'll see all the latest prototypes and 3d prints there that's where we tend to uh, show people what we're working on all right cool cool sounds very good um and socially people can just get you what's your social handles and stuff yeah i mean it's rapid racer products on um on instagram um we've on on facebook as well that fairly easy to find um we we are on uh twitter but i don't really get the twitter thing so we don't really yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, I mean, Instagram for an old fart like me, Instagram was like a bit of a revelation. Well, well, why, why isn't everyone just using Facebook, you know? But uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> it tends to be the young for Instagram as it all started off. And now everybody's sort of migrating across to that. Um, yeah. And now generally, you know, Facebook is considered for the old farts. But it's, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that they're, they're the two main platforms that, that that we're on um yeah we are on twitter but and we we do read everything any mentions tags and, and so on and so forth on over all three but I, I don't really want to tell you there are all sorts you see my kids who are on all sorts of platforms i've never been heard of but uh yeah yeah there is no way i'm expanding to any more <laughs> <laughs> No, I think that's enough, man. I think that's enough. Uh, yeah, Twitter for me is just, uh, you know, I don't get it at all. You know, it's it's one of those things. So uh, I kind of missed it, and I'm glad I did because the social thing is just so time-consuming. It's unbelievable. Oh, it's crazy, man. It really is. It's absolutely crazy because uh, you could say, well, you don't have to answer everything. You don't have to look at everything. But sometimes when you start to think like that, you'll get a really good mention it'll be a you know you're tagged in a review where you know the the, the pro guard max protection just won uh the best mud guard available today uh against all of our competitors you know and if you just like if you miss that you don't yeah it, you it's something that you can share and you can use to to show people that you know we've put a lot of effort into your products uh, it could be you know somebody's broke something you know and you you want to reach out to them and say hey how did it happen and can i do anything to help you or it can be a sponsored rider so it could be a good or a bad mention and so you, you, you've got to go through them all really because mm-hmm. when you get really really bored of it all and it's the relentless pursuit of will you sponsor me i'm thinking of riding downhill next year and i think i'll be amazing um you know all of the the messages just when you're starting to get frustrated with it all, you'll you'll get some peach of a either a mention or a tag in some sort of review that you know turns out to be pretty important. Mm-hmm. No, very true, very true. Yeah, it's just part of the whole thing. You just got to go with it. It is, it is, and you know it's it's tough uh, unless you're you know you're a big company, you've got whole departments that that can do that. Um, but it's also pretty rewarding at times if you. You know, I like to, you know, watch, have a look at some of the remarks, If especially when they're saying nice things unprovoked. They don't even know who you are. Um, often think you're this big, massive corporate company. and <laughs> They're saying some nice things. You know, that, that kind of makes it all worthwhile because, you know, you can put in a lot of hours and 
and then you get somebody saying, you know, it's the best thing that they've ever, you know, they've ever used and stuff. And, and that, that stokes the fire, keeps you going, you know? Yeah, totally. Makes it worthwhile. Well, listen, thanks so much for coming on. It was great to chat to you and learn a little bit more about uh, RRP and your products there. So, listen, good luck for 2020. I hope everything goes well and um, maybe you'll get a holiday this year. I'm not sure, but hopefully you do. Uh, I shouldn't worry about me. I get plenty of holidays, uh, you know, nice bikes and all the rest of it. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm, I'm doing all right. It's, uh, <laughs> I'm very happy doing what I'm doing. Cool, bud. Cool. Well, listen, good luck for 2020 and um, I hope you get out on the bike plenty this week. What's the weather doing now there? Um, well, it's uh, well, it was starting to dry out a bit after six months of rain. Um, uh, and, I th- and I thought we were on the turn, but then, uh, yeah, it hammered it down all yesterday. And we did a mountain bike night ride last night and it was pretty hideous. Um, yeah, I'm getting a little fed up of it. You know, I, I just yeah. went to I launched the pro guard bolt on. I sort of knelt down and gave a little prayer to God, give us some rain for Christ's sake. This thing's cost me a fortune. <laughs> and now I'm sort of kneeling down and saying, all right, enough already. I, I, I'm happy now. Thanks very much for your help. So <laughs> 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 now will you for Christ's sake, you know, I want to ride me back. It's uh, yeah, it's tough going out there and I can imagine it is, you know, out your way as well. It's uh, seems pretty relentless, doesn't it? Since about September, October last year, it's uh, we've had pretty consistent rain. Crazy man, crazy. Well, your guards will be getting plenty of use, that's for sure. So good stuff. Yeah, it's been it's been good uh, sales wise, that's for sure. But but now I'd rather have less sales and some decent weather, if I'm totally honest. <laughs> <laughs> good stuff. Well, listen, bro. Thanks very much for coming on. It was great to chat with you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. That's a wrap for episode 131. Thanks so much for tuning in, folks. I hope you enjoyed it, and I hope you learned a little bit more about RRP and what Craig does there to get you guys mudguards to help protect the bike throughout the year. It's really, really cool, cool company, and I hope he does it very, very well for 2020. Now, Craig, thanks so much for coming on the show. It was great to chat to you, and thanks for sparing the time because I know you're super busy there. So thanks so much, and as I say, I hope everything goes well for your 2020 season and the new products you have in line are going to be a success for you. So thanks so much, and I hope to chat to you in the near future. Now, folks, if you want to help the show and support the show, the best way is by subscribing, rating, and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Every one of your ratings helps boost us on Apple's algorithms, helps spread the good word about the show to more people, and uh, it's great to get involved that way. Now, if you're not on Apple, you can find and subscribe via Stitcher, Spotify, and Podbean. We're also on all major podcast platforms, so you will find us there. We also have a website, mtb-tribe.com, where you can find the complete bike catalogue, listen and download every show. You can also subscribe there and get one email per week with a quick and easy link to listen to the show also. Now, you can also get involved on the old social media. Of course, we are at MTB Tribe on Instagram and Facebook. And please take screenshots and help share the show with friends or anybody you know that may enjoy the podcast and help them get out on the bike. Now, once again, if you're wanting to get faster and fitter this summer, just head over to the resources page and check out Ben's complete MTB program offer. He's offering you guys 50% off your first month and uh, to get you in the gym, getting you learning specific mountain bike kind of techniques and training to help you get faster on the bike. You can do that or you can get a year subscription for only £300. It is really, really good. And if you want more info on it, just go back to last week's episode 
where we had Ben on answering your questions about getting faster and fitter in the gym for the trains. So thanks so much, folks. Thanks for tuning in this week. I do appreciate it. And I will chat to you next week for another episode of the MTV Tribe podcast. But until then, get out in the trails, get the bikes out, and as always, stay MTV stoked.